This week on Honey, You Should Watch This, Susan had us watch Hereditary. And if I would have known it was that easy to become a medium, I would have signed up to be a fortune teller a long time ago. Think of it, Mr. Cleo's. Hey, man, what's bothering you? Welcome back to another fun-filled episode of Honey, You Should Watch This, where you will find a wife. That would be me. Hi, I'm Susan. Hi, and, Susan. Yeah, hi. And a husband. That would be him. That is Greg. Hi, Greg. Uh, and uh, we have sometimes very different tastes of movies, and we pick a movie for the other one to watch, and, you know, torture ensues, and... All that fun stuff. Nah, there hasn't been any torture yet. <laughs> There's been some movies that I wouldn't have picked, but there hasn't been any torture yet. Yeah. Of course, we're not done with this episode yet. So how are you doing this week? I am just freaking super peachy keen nerific. That's a word I checked. Nerific? Yeah, Trump verified. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm doing pretty good. I got this elderberry cider. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> I only I only had to work eight hours to afford mm, that. Smells like your father. That's funny, <laughs> but my dad doesn't smell like that. Your dad doesn't smell of elderberries. No, he smells like your Bengay. mother's not a hamster. No, not this week. <laughs> Thank God, she doesn't. She does float though, so we know she's a witch. <laughs> uh, speaking of the supernatural. Yep, got a black cat on the table. Welcome back. Go away. Leave me alone. Yep, and uh, and we we watched Hereditary. <sighs> All right, let's get into this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay then. <laughs> okay, why'd you have me watch this? I had you watch this movie um, for two reasons. Um, one of them being Tony Collette. Okay. Um, who gives a hell of a performance in this fair um and the second is i just i mean you know me audience might not um i like movies that stay with you and kind of allow you to explore what was presented in there like the shining is that way for me like the shining is even though i've seen the movie Dozens of times, mm -hmm. there's always something new to discover in the film. Right. Um, so I kind of felt, and I don't know if it'll it'll hold up over time since it's a 2018 film, um, but there's a lot to unpack and a lot to kind of sit with and uh, go down rabbit holes as far as content or... Meaning, um, you know, there's a lot of themes in here, so. Okay. Fair enough. Good enough. All right. So. 
So you knew a little bit about this film. Yeah, this is one of those films that you had watched before we started the podcast, and you knew that I wasn't going to watch it because I really have, uh, you know, that horror is not my my go to genre. I'm okay with it. I mean, there, as I've said before, I'm not a, you know, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna watch Hostel, you know. But I mean, if there's some violence in what movie, okay, I, I get it, and I don't mind the scary part. That doesn't that stuff doesn't bother. We'll we'll get into that. Um, I completely lost my train of thought there okay well okay because normally i ask you what oh no i'm sorry sorry but yes you had watched this and you kind of you (laughs) kind of wow i'm sorry guys long day (laughs) easy Uh, for you guys to follow along yeah easy uh Mm -hmm. just pay attention and sit back and uh zero alcohol in my system right now uh it and you kind of had let a couple things go um you know we'll kind of get to that too but then you want now that we do the podcast, you have me watch these movies, and and I know a handful of things about certain things, which probably maybe ruined Gone Girl a little bit for me, maybe to the in this a little bit, but yes, some you, of the, some yes. of the things weren't as as shocking as as they could have been. But that said, um, what did you expect going into this, and did it match up with your expectations after you watched it? I um. Honestly, I expected the story to go a different direction, uh, slightly. I, I mean, I, I, I did not expect a gory horror movie. I expected a suspenseful horror movie, which mm-hmm. I actually like more than gory horror movies. Um, I, I mean, I, I expected a, a movie about a devil. That, that I, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, you kind of. Very rarely does something happen in a movie that involves possession or, you know, grabbing a body and being on the planet. Does it does it involve different a lot of different stuff? So I kind of got what I expect. It wasn't. It was done a a different way than you typically see these movies done, but it wasn't fifty fifty. I got I got about half of what I expected, and there was some there was some curveballs in there, but. There were a couple times where I looked at you and I said, "Okay, you know what's going to happen next, right?" And you were like, "Yeah, I've seen it." And, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I I called a couple things. A couple things really threw me off. But yes, yeah, okay, that's what I expected. All right. Um, I expected something smart because this guy's gotten a lot of uh, praise for his movies. Yes. Uh, um, I've I have heard this guy on Douglas movies, and he sounds very intelligent and uh, got a good sense of what movies are mm-hmm. so i expected something you know worth seeing yeah i mean he's he's out of the gate an auteur for one uh big word i don't know what that means <laughs> he has his own distinct style okay um that is his own way of of being artistic okay um so it's definitely um I don't know if he's going to stay in this genre. I've heard that Ari Aster has said that his next one is probably not going to be a uh, a horror movie. Um, yeah, he might try his hand at you know comedy satire. Or something he mentioned like that. that on yeah. the Douglas movies that he was on. I think it was at a film festival. We had mm-hmm. uh, Doug had a couple different guests, and he had mentioned that he really enjoyed the genre, but he kind of wanted to try something new. Mm-hmm. I think is I, th- I want to. You know what? I, I can't. I can't remember what he said. He mentioned what it might. What what he was. He's, going he he said but. comedy. He said musicals. He's. 
um, definitely uh, going to maybe try some some different things. He did say musical because Doug Benson loves musicals and said I would I would watch that. Right. I would watch you do a musical. So okay. What if Hereditary was a musical? Oh, a lot of screaming and crying. Welcome to the murder <laughs> train. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. That's, uh, that's one of the, the hit songs from Hereditary. Okay. Um, I'm going to try to do the rundown here. I'm hoping it's not going to be too long, but this is a very complex movie. Okay. Um, this being the... Fu- fu- uh, oh, hold on. I, I need to take a sip of my elderberry cider because apparently I've just lost all sense of all right, take being one. able to speak. So fill, the, fill in the dead air for me. Hold on. Well, uh, what happened this week was there was these people who had this money. I'm and done. They, okay. All right. Great. Okay. So making his feature debut, writer and director Ari Aster in 2018 released Hereditary. Um, it is a horror movie. Um, which Ari Aster calls um, a family tragedy um, that turns into a nightmare. So when we meet uh, the family involved in Hereditary, the Graham family, um, we meet them after the death of Ellen. The matriarch of the family uh, has passed away, and we learn through her daughter's eulogy that she was a secretive and private private woman with uh, who was stubborn and strong-willed, um, and Ellen and her daughter Annie did not exactly get along. As we watch the family deal with their grief, we realize that the family is very strained, um, and their ties uh, were probably strained well beyond, uh, well before uh, Ellen's death. Uh, the daughter, Charlie, is the youngest of the family at 13 years old. She's a bit of an odd duck tomboy who is not at all social. She's preoccupied with um, drawing and crafting uh, and eating lots of chocolate. A a lot of chocolate. In very odd ways. (laughs) Yes. Um, 17-year-old Peter um, uh, has an extremely uh, tentative relationship with his mother. Um, They're very tense together. Peter deals with his issues by smoking pot. Uh, And mom Annie, who is a miniaturist by trade... Um, throws herself into her work, um, some of which is highly personal and extremely disturbing, uh, to lose herself um, in, in, and get away from her grief um, to the near neglect of her children sometimes and her husband. Uh, she starts seeing specters of her mother in the workshop, um, uh, but brushes it off. Uh, Steve, who is a psychiatrist, tries to stay in the middle of all things, um, but he seems burdened by the weight of it um, and not exactly uh, very effective at it. Have I got very, it so far? Very, yeah, very weird dynamic there for him to be a psychiatrist. A psychiatrist, yes. Okay, so when Annie attends a grief support meeting in secret, she tells her husband she's going to the movies, um, which him as a psychiatrist, I don't know why she'd want to hide that from him, but... There you go. Um, we find more disturbing facts about her family's mental health. Uh, Nanny's dad had uh, psychotic episodes and starved himself to death. Uh, her brother was a schizophrenic, and he uh, hung himself um, and claimed that Ellen was trying to put people into him. 
He was half right. (laughs) (laughs) Not necessarily people, right? Um, Uh, Right. (laughs) Spoilers and trigger warnings, just just so you know. Um, Anne and Ellen were estranged after the birth of Peter, but Annie let Ellen have her daughter, Charlie, um, with whom she was close. We also learn through a conversation that Annie has with Charlie just how close they were, since Charlie wonders who will take care of her now that her grandmother is gone. Uh, Annie admits that Ellen insisted on feeding Charlie, and later we find out through one of Annie's miniature dioramas uh, that Ellen actually breastfed Charlie, which the mind reels. A lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, one night, Peter asked to borrow the family car so he can go to school barbecue, which in truth uh, was really a house party. And Annie insists that he take Charlie. Um, you know, they, they had that house party going on. Mm-hmm. I didn't see Kid and Play once. <laughs> they were in the basement. Uh. <laughs> Out back selling crack or something. <laughs> uh, while, while Peter takes Charlie to the party, he leaves her uh, by herself so he can go and get high with his crush. Uh, Charlie eats a cake with nuts to which she is allergic uh, and with no EpiPen, Peter tries to rush his sister to the hospital while Charlie sticks her head out the window gasping for air. Peter swerves to avoid a dead animal in the road, accidentally slamming Charlie's head into a telephone pole and decapitating her. In shock, Peter drives home, goes to bed, leaving Annie to find Charlie's body the next day. That's a fun scene. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, The family struggles uh, to recover from this. Uh, Annie and Peter take great pains to avoid each other. Uh, Annie returns to the grief support group but finds herself unable to go in. She is stopped by a woman named Joan who offers her support, uh, which Annie politely declines. Uh, But after one of the paint bottles mysteriously tips over, pointing to Joan's number in Annie's workshop, Annie finally calls Joan and confides in her, her. Uh, especially about an incident uh, which happened during one of Annie's frequent sleepwalking that used to happen in the past in which she almost lit her, Charlie, and Peter on fire, um, which explains uh, Peter's wariness of his mother. Um, After a particularly rough argument with Peter, she runs into Joan again. Um, Joan is elated and wants to show Annie something, and that something is a seance, because Joan claims she is able to talk to the spirit of her dead grandchild and demonstrates it for Annie. Uh, she's understandably, Annie is understandably freaked out. And when she goes to leave, uh, Joan gives her all the n- necessary um, items and uh, crazy foreign words to say <laughs> um, to do the seance herself to chan- uh, to to try to uh, reach out to Charlie. Um Later that night, Annie has a nightmare in which she tells Peter that she tried to have a miscarriage while carrying him and ends up igniting a match, setting the both of them on fire. When she wakes up, she tries a seance um, in hopes that maybe something like this would help get the family back together and feel better about uh, what happened to Charlie. Um, While she tries to get Charlie during the seance to draw in her sketchbook, uh, instead something is spirited into Annie Um, and she starts talking in the voice of Charlie. The spirit does not appear to be benevolent um, and scares Peter and angers Steve. So the next day, Andy tries to reach Joan to tell her um, that something went wrong. Uh, Joan is not in her apartment, uh, and she notices a doormat exactly like the ones her mother made for her and her family, which prompts her to go through her mother's things. 
Um, and she finds out that Joan and Ellen were part of the same cult that worships a demon named Payman. She also witnesses drawings of Peter manifesting in Charlie's sketchbook, and this has let Annie know that she has let something sinister in, and she realizes too late that her family is in danger, leading her and her family toward a tra tragic and horrific conclusion to her family's legacy. Whew! All right, see you next week. <laughs> All right, so um, the film stars Tony Collette as Annie Graham, Gabriel Byrne as Steve Graham, Alex Wolf as Peter Graham, Millie Shapiro as Charlie Graham, and Ann Dowd as Joan. <sighs> well done. Thank you. It took a very long time for me to uh, go through it. You did um, a great job. So Break time? Thanks. Break time. <laughs> well, I'm going to take another sip of my cider. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, I should have told you about so, those after we recorded. <laughs> so, Joe... Um, Tell me, just tell Joe? me what you thought about this film. Joe? What do you mean, Joe? You just said, so Joe? No, I said, so. Well, I got the tape. I can rewind it. I, um, okay. Yeah, I'm tell not me, interested in that. Okay. Oh I, oh, I am. <laughs> I am. Tell you what I thought about this movie. Yes. Hmm. I'm torn on this one. Okay. Quite a bit. Explain. Uh, uh, no, I'm just gonna leave it up to imagination. <laughs> okay. Uh, I thought this was a pretty, pretty good movie. There was a. I'm not pretty good's not good enough. A very good movie. I I think that this movie set out to do everything that he wanted it to do. Mm -hmm. I had some problems with it in certain areas. Um, this is, it also makes it tough because I think everything about this movie was well done. The acting, the, the cinematography, the special effects, everything. Uh, but I, I don't like this type of movie. You know what I mean? So it's like, it, you it, don't like the type of movie that ends tragically. Um, no, I, I, I don't know. I don't know where we should go into it. All right. Um, s s religion's a funny thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Um, certain things bother me and certain things don't. Uh, I mean, I was raised as a Christian. I, you know, I can have discussions with people about it. I cannot look you dead in your face and tell you that if you're not a Christian, you're wrong. You know what I mean? It's it's I I, I agree that everybody can see different things, but it's it's what I believe. And when we start kind of talking about things like this, it kind of creeps me out. Okay, it's easier for me to accept some suicidal guy that runs through the town like Jason Voorhees, who's just upset and he's just killing people. You know what I mean? I know there's there's a little bit of like a demonic force there, but we're not actually talking about like end of days spirits. Yeah. Demonology. Yeah, like, yeah. like okay. even the Schwarzenegger movie, End of Days, is good. I, I have a hard time watching it because of what it what it's talking about. So okay. that it really it really it's un, it's unsettling. It's just it unsettles me. But to do what they did here, I, I think they did very well. Mm -hmm. So it, it's it's you know, it's I'm torn. It's it's one of those things that like you've said, we we don't may not like it, but we can appreciate it. 
Um, I did have a handful of problems with some things that happened in the movie and the way things, some th- the things went down. But okay. I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that. But I mean, if you like scary movies, you're probably going to like this movie. I-, I think that this movie severely, in my opinion, underperformed uh, at the box office. It's got a lot of critical rate r- reviews. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's 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 this and Midsommar. Everybody just like, oh my god, it's so great, it's so great. Mm-hmm. I saw some people online that were like, literally one person that reviewed it on, on IMDb gave it 10 out of 10 stars and said, this was an amazing movie. I will never watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 stars. If I give a movie 10 out of 10 stars, I'm buying that shit on 4K and putting it on a loop. Um, <laughs> that's that's kind of how I felt about it. I, okay. I, there's a lot of things I could appreciate, but there was a lot of things that I did not like or could not appreciate. Okay. there There's a lot to unpack with this movie, right? Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of themes in it that... You know, someone like myself or, you know, someone who gets into this kind of, hold on a second, um, gets into this type of exploration of themes um, can really get into. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first and foremost, um, you know, as 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 I showed you the... Um, uh, the uh, the cinema sins video on hereditary yes. um you know the trope of somebody sitting in class learning about something that's probably going to apply to them later this film gets into um a lot of the greek tragedies right mm-hmm. and so you know and it's you know who has agency um and who doesn't and is it more tragic if someone has control of their you know tries to have control of their outcome and just does wrong or someone who doesn't have a choice at all. Um, and from the very beginning, um, you know, through the miniatures, um, we are taken in to one of these miniatures as a dollhouse in which then we see the humans that are in this story kind of unfold, right? Mm-hmm. So yes. it's telling you right there that these people are dolls in a dollhouse and that that's pretty much what Ari Aster has said, okay. right? They have no real agency in this um because things are being you know strings are being pulled outside of them that they are not not aware of kind of guiding their actions um so you've got those kind of themes in there um obviously there's a lot about mental health in here um a lot about family dynamics and a lot about grief um and then on the face of it, you do have, you know, some of the, the aspects of, of the demonology of it all. So there's a lot there. And very astute people will also pick up other things. And whether or not Ariaster intended them to be there, I don't think he'd throw water on it, you know. Um, one of, there's a YouTuber named Nick Spears. Nick Fears, as in I scared. Um, For a minute, I thought you were trying to, try to say Nick Fury. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm like, Samuel L. Jackson on YouTube? What? N-Y-N-X, I believe, F-E-A-R-S. So, so N-Y-X, Nick's fears. Fears, as in, yeah. So he's he likes Dugar and stuff like that, and in his hereditary hot take, so to speak, and I'll, I'll try to make sure that I put all the links to everything that we're referencing here. He said, uh, obviously, this doesn't did not rate well it rated better with with critics than i think it did with general audiences um and he's the reason for that is there are certain genres that people just don't want 
you know, certain, certain audiences just don't want to have to think about, right? Um, action movies sometimes, um, and horror movies tend to be one of those things, which, you know, he kind of felt was you know, the reason for some people just kind of on the face of it, not liking this movie. This is what you call a slow burn horror. Um, you know, there are parts of it that are achingly um, slow. <laughs> Yeah. From, I can't think of a better word than slow, even though I just said it. Um, you know, where you've got someone walking from one bedroom to another and you're like, oh my God, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of time taken in this, um, which I'm sure people don't like. Um, I I don't, I don't have a problem with that. I like, I like the setup. First, one, one of the things about this movie that I liked is there was zero jump scares. Mm-hmm. And and I, I I think jump scares are okay, but you shouldn't have ten in a movie. Right? They, they, maybe one or two well placed. I don't even think it's about that people don't want to think about horror. I think that there's that I I think that there was a lot of poetic license taken with the story mm-hmm. and the stuff that the what how it went down was very disjointed. It was it it doesn't make any sense to me when. And I like it more now mm-hmm. than I did after we were done watching it. I've thought about it, and you're right; it sticks with you. I don't like. There's a lot of things that, and we, I'm sure we'll get into them. That he made the focal point that would not be the focal point. There's, there's no reason that it is what it is. It's just like, it's, it's the psycho effect is basically what it is, right? You, you're invested in Marion Crane and Psycho for the first forty minutes, and then you, she's gone. I don't even I don't even see it that okay, that way. Okay, let, let me let's put it that let's just start with this. Okay, Charlie has the sound that she yeah. makes. The, the cluck. The, yeah. Okay. So you know something's wrong with her from the get go, that she's mm-hmm. different, that she's odd, that she cuts a bird's head off, you know, things like that. Right. Um but at the end, mm-hmm. they're like, Charlie, here's your body. Right. He he didn't want Charlie. He wanted Peter. He wanted a male body. Okay. Um, actually, Millie Shapiro actually explained that. Oh, of course he did. Okay. She. She played Charlie. He's a he, he's a he in my world. <laughs> she explained that. The actor explained that. The actor explained oh, it. This okay. ought to be good. She um, she was did an interview, and I got this from, um, with GameSpot, and she said, Charlie... Um, Charlie was demonic, thanks to Ellen using her as a vessel for payment. She never knew anything different than how she is. Um, with possession, there's usually a person trapped in there, but there was never really anything but payment for Charlie. So from, she was became that vessel at birth. So that's that's what the actress said. Now, take that for what it is. I, I great. She was a vessel. How? Why? The vet that 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 does that makes zero sense because the demon was still living in the mother, in the grandmother. He was in her body until she died. I don't know if that's explained. I mean, I you know what I mean. That's that, and this and this this is my my biggest complaint about this movie is this movie was two hours and seven minutes long. And when you have a horror movie that's that long, that, that, that is that long, I'm okay with that. But I need to be explained why what's going down. 
Okay, they they there's a lot that a lot of that that happens. He's he starts clucking at the end, but the but the demon was still in the ground. But wait a minute, the demon was still. Oh, wait a minute, the demon was just floating around. And you, you see what I'm getting at? Right. There was just a lot of things that they did that were designed to creep you out, and they don't they don't jive with the story. Um, when she went after she realized that some shit was going down, mm-hmm. she went to the opened up the boxes and she started looking at the books. Mm-hmm. They spent two minutes digging through that stuff. And they put that picture up of Payman sitting on that big pile of, I guess it was bodies. They called him the... No, it was somebody was sitting on the riches. That was the conjurer. Okay, the riches. Okay. Payman was on his camel. Um, okay, and they called him the god of mischief. Oh, well, Payman is a djinn. A, a, a genie? Yes. Okay. Then that means he's not a devil or a uh, demon. Uh, a djinn is a demon. No, a djinn is a djinn. No. Like vodka is vodka, <laughs> rum is rum, gin is gin. A gin, a gin is a demon, uh, and a gin is, okay. M- you know, a lot of people say genie, and they think of you know Disney's lad and all that stuff. But gin are actually evil. Sp- they can yes, yes, they can be extremely evil. Yes, yes. But okay, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure who qualified who classified a gin as a demon. Then why are we calling them gins? What well, let's just just call them. I don't. I'm not an expert. in Let's demon- just call them politicians <laughs> and be done with it. I'm not an expert in demonology. I think it's just from the part of the world from which, from whence that demon is. Okay. Yeah. Okay. They called him the Jinn of Mischief. The last time I checked, the Jinn of Mischief wasn't want- walking around wanting people's heads chopped off. Regardless, I, you've combined that. I can let that go. But they gave us two minutes to read this text, and. You know, like he said in the in the the sins of uh, that, cinema that, sins. The cinema sins. He said it was convenient that the mother had un- the grandmother had underlined the line. He's looking for a male body. Do, do, let her do, let her maybe find this out a little earlier. Let her start researching and trying to figure out what's going on. She has no control anyway. If mm-hmm. she can't stop it, why can't we do a slow burn where she's figuring out what's going on and then it just it was it just yeah. and, it, that that just. Tell me why what's going on because I still don't buy the whole transition at the end because I got, I'm like what, what is, it, is it is it the daughter the who knows well I think that you know it, yes this has had a lot to try to figure out um, and wasn't overtly explained um, again going back to what Nick Spears said as far as you know they don't want to have to maybe think that hard or they want things a little bit explained for him but then we look at a horror character and at its on, on the face of it, you know, if you look at Halloween, you know, and you've got my, Michael Myers, um, you know, yeah. Okay. It's scary. Cause he's running around and he's killing teenagers and all that stuff like that, but he's still not explained. Right. Yes. Um, and that makes him scarier because he's enigma and why won't he die? And, and all that, you know, cause he's making studio money, but, um, and when it really gets down to it, right? That's why Halloween is right. so good, and Halloween two through eighty six are like, <laughs> eh. But that's the same thing. It's like you're trying, you know, they're trying to to tell you what's going on, but they're not trying to wholly explain every si- single machination that is made by this cult. I, I mean, okay, right? I, I get so, it, but I, that that just doesn't sit well with me. Okay, you, you know what I mean? I, I like, can buy that. If, if we know that he's going. Like we 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 talked about it the other night, and all of a sudden, after uh, what was Gabriel Byrne's character's name, Steve? Steve. 
After Steve catches on fire, she's possessed. What? Wait, what? You know what I mean? Why wasn't he just in her? Uh, why, he, he hasn't been in a body the whole time. Now he's in her body. I just... I, th- I think, well, because they explain that the person has to be in kind of a weakened state. So seeing your husband completely ignite in like a t- in a second, well, I think that would do it she to you. She wasn't in enough of a weakened state when she woke up and found her daughter with no head? I, you, you, you know what, what I mean? What, I, 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 again, I can't play, I, I can't. I know. I, I can't. We're talk, but we're talking about things that we like or dislike. And right. that, that to me, I, I, I dislike it. One of the other things that I disliked about this movie was I understand that we have a cult. Mm-hmm. And I understand that we have, um, and this is their quote, servants of, of Payman mm-hmm. that are trying to get him his young male vessel that he wants. Mm-hmm. There's no way a cult can set up the stuff that they set up. It's not possible. Well, I, I again, I think, because one of the things that always confused me, I've only seen this twice, but one of the things that confused me, and even in some of the, you know, the research that I was doing after I saw it the first time, mm-hmm. um, I was like, there's that scene where you have uh, Charlie's in her room and she's making her crazy little dolls. And um, she still has the bird head that she cut off. And she... There's a light that kind of points her in a direction and she looks out the window mm-hmm. and then later you see her in the backyard with the bird head in her hand um, heading out to the back and you see someone who's naked and a fire going. And I was like... It I, looked like Joan. I don't I don't know who it was, but I'm like, I, I don't get that. And then somebody said, well, I was I can't remember which research or because they all, they're all kind of yeah. converging in my head. Um who said it, but they basically said, you know, it's probably a ritual to make sure that this works out, that that's what that person was doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, payment is supposed to be one of the kings of hell, um, the most obedient to Lucifer or, or what, whatever you want to call him. Um, El Diablo. <laughs> Crazy chicken. El Fresco. Um, and crazy chicken, <laughs> magic man. Um, so he's he's got legions. I think they said two hundred legions at his disposable disposable disposal. He considers <laughs> them disposable. He's got two hundred legions better. in his garbage disposal. Um, so I would think that it's not just the cult. It could be you know other forces at play. Just saying. I mean, it, it could. I, I, I get that. I, I understand. Uh, I, I'm okay with the supernatural effect. I just don't... It just seemed like... I don't know. I, I just... It just... It just felt like there was no rhyme or reason why any of this had to happen. Mm-hmm. If anybody in this movie was distraught and in a weaker state. It was Peter when he got yeah. home the night after the accident. Right there, things could have been over. He was in Peter's body, done, right? Right. Because I I so I it just I I, I, I don't I, I think that might there might have had to, I don't know. I mean cuz there the the need for ritual, the need that um the need for, I guess it it looks like it. Um, I was watching a 
in the bag or, or I can't remember the name of the, the there's a, a YouTube channel where two guys have a couple beers and talk about, you know, movies. Yeah. Um, and they said that they had noticed that when Joan says to Annie, when she's giving her all these seance materials, that they need to be in the house. But it looked it got, like it got dubbed over where she said they need to be in the room. And it looks like they probably um, did some refilming. ADR? Um, yeah. And they, it looks like they probably refilmed a few things that didn't do well with test audiences. So they said they had to be in the house. So it maybe they had some some ritual had to be done in order, you know, for whatever. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I, we could we could do this all night. <laughs> well, there's you know there's some things that if you don't catch it or you yeah. don't dig into the research, you don't catch. You know, I said, what's with the heads being cut off? You know what I mean? What's the big deal there? And you said that in the picture there was a part where he had three heads hanging from his belt. Yes. Okay. Could have. Could have let me see that picture for more than 6.6 milliseconds. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, right. I think it's it's the little things that turn me off on this. Mm-hmm. Um, but but on the other hand, there, there's there's a couple of major things too. This, let's, I know that we're not going to be able to discuss or explain why it went down the way it did. We just have to accept that. Mm-hmm. So we probably can just leave that. I didn't yeah. like I didn't like the way that they there was. You know, typically when you have a ritual, satanic ritual or something like that, it's she has to be a virgin and she has to take the knife and then she has to do this and everything kind of it's 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 one plain right. letter. This was just very haphazard with no rhyme or reason. Well, I'm I'm just going to let it go and accept it. I'm I'm wondering too because you know the, there's a there's a point before things start going down where in the beginning of the film, Annie's working in her workshop and this is before she first sees that vision of her her mother. Um, she thinks it's a ghost um, that she's going through her mother's things and she picks up one book on spirituality, but she doesn't get past looking at it because she's got that letter from her mom apologizing for everything, but saying our sacrifices will pale to our rewards. Mm-hmm. So, um, and Ari Aster has called this basically a ritual story told from the perspective of the sacrificial lambs. So okay. I think maybe there was an order in which people had to die, a la okay. house cabin in the woods, or you know, um, in order for this to go down. So Annie had to die. Okay. So what needed to be necessitated in terms of the head beheading, because beheading's huge in this thing, right? Mm-hmm. You got the the bird getting her head cut off, head cut off by Charlie. You get Charlie being beheaded. You get the mother's body exhumed and the head is missing. Um, and then you get Annie. Um, so maybe that's it because I don't think that's something somebody would willingly do to themselves. So maybe it necessitated a little bit of demonic possession, yeah. whether it was payment or somebody else, you know. I also have an issue with... Payment's friend, Chuck. I also have an issue with you having no control over succumbing to a, a demon or a devil i don't i don't feel that that's the way that devils and angels and heaven and hell work i feel like there's always that choice i i that, that's personally right. now you 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 may be taken and sacrificed but to be something i i just i i i well don't know enough about the bible to, to i mean yeah. i've never dug that deep into it but 
I, I don't think that that would be something that would be. Yeah, they really don't talk. A, I don't think a whole heck of a lot about possession in the Bible. When they do, they talk about somebody who was possessed on a road, and then you know Jesus expelled the demons. And um, but I think. Yeah. To All be right. honest, be honest with you, you know that could have just been a mental health thing, right? <laughs> but it could be. Anyway, um I think it's all in the title of the movie, which is hereditary. So yeah. they can't escape the legacy of that bloodline. Because Steve needed to get out, out of the way. Steven, you know, Steve was not an option cuz Steve wasn't in the bloodline. Mm-hmm. It had to be in the bloodline of Alan who was the queen. Yeah. To payment. Oh, so. she was a queen, all right. Anywho. All right. So you're hanging out at Michael's craft store. <laughs> or you go to Joanne's Fabric because you need a couple swatches because you want to get your dining room chairs re- re- recovered. And you walk out, and this woman that you have known for literally <laughs> two days goes, oh, you got to come to my house. I just learned how to do seances and talk with the dead. Yeah, that would be a firm no. Um, No, that would be a fuck no. <laughs> That would be a fuck no as you're dialing 911 to have her baker acted. <laughs> that kind of that kind of took me out of it. It should have been somebody well, that she knew. Well, you notice. Um No, I, I didn't. You might have noticed there is a scene where there's mail in the slot and yes. someone's pushing through this flyer for a séance. Yes, I saw that. And that didn't work. So Joan had to be the plan B. Yeah, but you just met Joan, like I said, a week ago. You weren't even going to call her until you were kind of nudged. You went over and talked to her a little bit, and now all of a sudden she's like, there's no reason that Joan could not have been known as her mom's friend to give them a little more leverage. And and you just just met this woman? And I mean... You know well, what that you know what that's the equivalent of? That's the equivalent of somebody walking up to me in the parking lot of Home Depot and going, Hey, um, you don't really know me. I mean, you saw me at the bowling alley last Tuesday, but if you come to my house right now, you'll get to meet Tom Brady. Well, let's look at Annie for a second here. Okay. Annie <laughs> Annie obviously does not have good support. Right. Her husband, although he is a psychiatrist. This is a woman who seriously needed to be in therapy the entire time long before we meet her maybe, in this movie. Maybe back from when she was like eight. Right. Okay. But she, in her own way, is secretive. She lies to her husband. She avoids her kids. And then we see her go to this um, grief counseling session. And then she just kind of verbally vomits every crazy. I don't want to say anything. <laughs> 45 minutes later, she gets up and walks away. <laughs> she, I mean, I, I could you imagine everything she kind of just bleh in front of the group um, was horrifyingly disturbing and, and shocking. I mean, you, you, you're there, you kind of feel bad for her and everything she's had to go through. And mentally, I just don't know if she would be strong enough to say, yeah, I don't, I don't want to do this. I mean, she finally says, this is freaking me out, I got to go. But, and she doesn't know Joan, but she tells Joan about, you know, 
sleepwalking and dousing her kids in paint thinner and herself and going to light them on fire, which you could probably read from that, that subconsciously maybe she knew that it wasn't good for these kids to be alive <laughs> because of what would might happen. And maybe we're, you know, trying to prevent it in some way, but you just don't tell a stranger that. I mean, right. it's, you know, the ultimate sin of a mother um, to, to even say that her kid's, piss her off or sometimes she doesn't like them and stuff like that in, in society I mean, just everybody feels that way at some point in time but you it doesn't get expressed and she's telling them that she almost killed them and yeah and she doesn't what is insane too is she's like uh, there's nothing i can ever do or say now to get my son to trust me almost like it was peter's fault that well, he is. was holding that grudge. It is. You know, Fucking so. spoiled ass, rotten, spoiled rotten ass kid. This poor kid. <laughs> Fuck that kid. <laughs> this poor kid <laughs> is messed up. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, but I just, you know, I mean, I know that when you go through grief, I, I and I will accept the answer that somebody offered her the opportunity to talk to or speak with her dead daughter. Mm -hmm. Okay, I will buy that for the movie. But when you look at these movies, and again, what they're, what, in this movie, they're trying to set up a realistic world. Like, everything that happens in this world are the things that happen in real life. There's nothing crazy. There's no alien, you know what I mean? And then, uh, do you know anybody that would just willingly go, um, yeah, let's go. Follow me. Uh, maybe, yeah. I, I, a, I, I might know that. B, I'm not quite sure this is being set up as a real world because there's a lot of different ways to look at this, right? Um, I. It was Utah. That's as real and as boring as it gets. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that I, I looked at is, you know, this is like a, you know, I'm thinking this is like a Greek tragedy, right? And the gods are in control. Um, you know, you can almost picture the gods, you know, moving people around a little chessboard, like, you know, like little pawns. Um, like, like Chewbacca on the Millennium Falcon. Okay. Yeah. A little bit like that. Um, so, and you know, some people, some people have interpreted this film as, you know, Annie controlling what she feels is her world and her side of the story and this is just her explanation of it, right? But they are, again, as, as Ariasta said, dolls in a dollhouse, right? So maybe it's not supposed to be 100% real. Okay. Because some of the stylization, you know, the really cool things where he, you know, when things go from day to night, it's like, it's a, like a cluck, right? And instantly you go from day to night. So is it? Well, that's what happens when I go to bed at night. <laughs> it's dark and when i wake up it's light i mean it's instantaneous are you outside <laughs> only when i upset you really badly <laughs> so i i don't know i think there's a lot of different ways to look at this you know is it is it supposed to be are you supposed to take it straight on its face value or are you supposed to look at the whose whose eyes are you looking at you know through okay okay right. i mean i'm I, i'm not gonna argue it because i can't i, I don't have anything to say against right. it I just, you know, again, 
if you want it to be not the real world, you got to throw something at us to let us know it's not the real world. I think the dollhouse theme was enough to let you know that this is not the real world no, because it the, starts in the dollhouse. Dollhouse themes are weird worlds. Worlds, <laughs> not real. They, this, they do exist. There was an episode of Miami Vice that talked all about dolls, so we know that it can. It, it's, it's a real thing. <laughs> the little doll and what we do in the shadows. Yes. Yeah. See, that's possessed. Um. <laughs> I, I mean, it's just it it it, it threw me out. It threw, yeah. it, it threw me because again, she didn't need to know. There was no reason that she could not have known that Joan was a friend of her mom's. Right. Mm-hmm. The way the way she played it up, because it, it, she says at the at the funeral, my mother was a very um, secretive and private secretive woman. and private woman. Well, she didn't have to be a secretive and private woman. She could have had her friends, air quotes, cultists around her. And Annie could have known that those people were just, you know, it could have been just Aunt Joan. You know what I mean? Do you, do you know what an, an occult means? Yeah, I do know what a cult means, but that doesn't mean that you, you and I could be in a cult and still know each other in the real world and nobody knows that we're in a cult together. Mm. We can still be friends. That's what I'm getting at. She doesn't need to know that they're in a cult together or that they're like that. She could have just been somebody my mom knew. That way when she walks up and she goes, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something. It's like, okay, you're more inclined to open up to that person. Well, I've known Aunt Joan since I was 11. Yeah, and she's been fucking weird since you were eight. So <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? It just, it was... You know why she she knew when she saw the floor mat the first time she went to her house. My mom used to make those people. Oh, they did really. You're a cult that can manipulate having a girl stick her head out of a car at a specific time with a specific post that you knew well in advance to draw the demonic symbol on it. But you weren't fucking smart enough to pick up the goddamn floor mat. You, you know what I mean? It's just it just it was yeah, maybe they were just underestimating the sacrifice who knows yeah right? i mean I, I i get it but that that was that was the only thing about this movie that took me out of it and i and, yeah. and i caught i get it's a horror movie you let things go but that's that's a really simple thing to not have to don't even give her the opportunity if you don't want her to know about it don't give her the opportunity to even go uh that's really weird if you didn't want her to know about it, why would you have left her all the books? You know what I mean? It, like the cultist should. It's just the little silly things, right? We're going to get to it, and we have questions. There's like a two okay. and a half hour episode, and all and right. again, that's not me shitting on this movie right. by any means. Of the imagination. It's just that that was kind of what ruined it for me. Okay. Well, um, let's. What I I think we probably should do at this point uh, because. You know, I was going to talk into some of the things that are kind of foreshadowing the ending in here, but let's kind of skip to that, uh, skip that for now, and and talk about um, some of the production okay. of this film because it is fascinating the level of work that went into this film. Yeah, it was. This movie was very well made, mm-hmm. very well made. The shots, the 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 editing, the cinematography, the the dialogue I felt was pretty good. I mean, there was never a point except the one point where he goes, what language is even that? Where he says that, <laughs> you know, a very strange I, line. I, I, I think, <laughs> I think that it was a screw up 
Mm-hmm. And they were having a hard time getting all the other practical effects and stuff to work because, well, one of the things in that scene, the special effects people had never had never had to make a candle light itself before. They didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it was easy or hard or whatnot. But other than that, once that everything was was really really, it was slick. It was stylized. It was beautiful. It was it was creepy. Mm-hmm. The little things that they threw in there, like you mentioned the one time and I noticed it was when Peter was in his room smoking the bong and you saw the person when they would cut back to they were looking into the room, you could see whatever whoever it was on the roof that was breathing. Right. There was a lot of things in it that you were like, whoa, that's really, really fucking cool. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Uh, well, he, Harry Oster said that he basically wanted the film to feel evil. <laughs> he wins. <laughs> Um, but a lot of the stuff, you know, in, in terms of the miniatures and the house, even like the set was custom designed so they could pull out walls when they needed to to get that dollhouse effect and get the full room. I mean, a lot of what, you know, the style, the way this this movie was shot you get the room, right? You don't get a lot of cuts between people. You get people in a space reacting to each other. Yes. Um, and it's all—it's very voyeuristic, almost like you're looking in a dollhouse, yeah. right? Um, so that took a lot of time and production to do. What ha- fascinated me is, you know, to hear Ariaster talk about the production process is when he, the Steve Newburn is, is the guy who did all the miniatures. That was, he, was he that guy that was in three minute, a baby? No, no. All right. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, Have another cider. It'll get no. funnier. <laughs> <laughs> I'm afraid it won't, but, um, <laughs> you know um, what? You cut, you cut me deep, Shrek. <laughs> you cut me real deep. <laughs> like a parfait. Um, so Steve Newburn did the miniatures for this. And basically, as they were ramping up production, you know, he was, they needed all the time, like the, all the miniatures were kind of brought in at the end and everything that had to do with the miniatures were filmed at the end. Um, but he was basically saying, well, I need to know, you know, what's in the room. I need to know the style of the wallpaper. I need to know the curtains. I need to know what kind of plants you have. What kind of planters are they in? Are there posters? If so, we need to get the rights. You know, it's just all these things that had to go into the creation of the miniatures blows me away. Um, And of course, at the end, when you've got this point where Annie kind of breaks and just completely destroys the miniatures that she's working on. Um, she said she felt so bad because of all the work that went into them. I think she said she apologized. She kept apologizing to them because they had to be there watching her do that scene, destroying them. <laughs> but you didn't really see her destroy anything. Well, she punched a few things. Yeah, yeah but, but I mean... I well, Here's the thing. Ari Aster has only done two feature-length films so far. Mm-hmm. Right. The other are three shorts. One is a 15 minute short. The other one's another 15 minute short. And the other one's a half hour short. Um, he says that I th- for both Hereditary and Midsommar, those films originally as he shot them were four hours long. Three to four hours long. I'd have fucking shot myself. <laughs> right. So, of course, he had to cut them down. 
So I'm sure there was a lot more that was filmed that you're just not seeing. Okay, fair. Okay. Um, the music. Um, the first time I watched this, I think you were in another room doing something. So I, I didn't have the volume up very high on the TV. And I actually think I had captioning on because I just didn't want to disturb you because I wasn't sure what was coming up in terms of sound or anything with this movie. So I did not notice the woom, woom, woom kind of sounds that were in the background, almost mm -hmm. like something's, you know, somebody's car down the street was playing hip hop at a... <laughs> Sound like a helicopter in the distance. All those sounds were made by, I think, saxophone. Sounds about, okay. I can, yeah. No, 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 no. That was a contrabassoon. Oh, was that it? was a contrabit. The the mm. sound like an Aborigine type thing. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was a contra. I would bet money on that. That was made by a contrabassoon. I think it was somebody said. I've heard somebody say saxophone. Or I've heard somebody say clarinet. So I don't know. But um, it it wasn't a clarinet. A clarinet doesn't go that low. Now you could have had a um, a, a bass saxophone can mm -hmm. go that low, and a but a contra a contra bass bassoon is what it sounded like to me. Mm -hmm. Contra bass bassoon is the one we see the orchestra. They're sitting in the chair. And it goes all the way down to the floor and curves up and goes all the way up over their head and curves back down. It's got that real little mouthpiece. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Keith actually used to um, play one. Keith's a yep. person that we used to know. Um, and uh, the other thing I think was he was saying that the way they built the sound into this, and unfortunately, if you you got into just a regular movie theater and not one that had the surround like a dolby dolby theater yeah you didn't get it but the clucks i guess would come from different parts of the room yeah that 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 would, would have be, been freaky yeah i'd have got up and walked the fuck out <laughs> i'd have been like you can keep your popcorn bitch i'm out <laughs> so that's i mean just amazing in terms of of that yeah, you I mean, know, it, it, it was it was incredibly, film. incredibly well made. It, and there's a lot of attention to detail in this movie. It's a and Kubrick level attention it, it, to detail. It is. And there's yeah. a lot of things that in this, you see it and you're like, holy shit. And then they explain it and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You're right. Uh, I'm referring to the first time I saw the red light in the treehouse. Right. And I'm like, Ch Satan. I mean, that, he's there. He's got his popcorn, UFC's on, and then you find out <laughs> then you find out that she's laying in there with the space heaters on. Now, right. she was a little close to the space heaters with the sleeping bag. I feel like she'd have caught on fire, but you know, then the movie would have been short. But yes. <laughs> a lot a, a, a lot of things in this. I everything, everything about the movie itself. Is that a good spot for a break? Yeah, I think so. All right, we'll be right back. Yo, 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 what up? It's your boy, Kobe Mack, host of the Kobe Told Me podcast. It's my whenever I want to deep dive with the Mack himself, where I get to amplify my movie reviews for your listening pleasure. This is my 30 minutes or less solo pod, keeping it real with reviews, sometimes movie news, and an always dope box office breakdown. I'm the best subjectively objective film critic in the game, and when they ask you where you heard it from, you tell them Kobe told me. Peace. Okay, and we're back. We're back. Here we go. 
What uh, What else would you like to address that's not about well, I mean, what we've talked? We've you know we've got a lot of the things that. Um, I mean, we can probably talk about this whole payment thing a little bit more because they've got all these little foreshadowing tips of their tips. <laughs> How to foreshadow. Step one. Um, oh, this foreshadowing of of something not quite of this earth going on. Um, so there's things of the little words written all over the house and little spell words in the um, the mother's room having the area pointing to the north. Did I say the northwest? I can't remember. I had a triangle yeah. on the floor. Yeah. Um, which is supposedly where Payman's house is. Um, See, not to cut you off, but for instance, right. there was a triangle on the floor of the mother's room. Mm-hmm. And then when she went to Jones, after she realized that some shit was going crazy, they had a picture of Peter's... They had a picture of Peter on the table mm-hmm. in in the gouged out triangle. Right. W- w- you, you could have let us know that at some point that that's what that triangle meant. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know that I, I stuff just, isn't. Yeah, that stuff isn't. May, you know spelled what? out for you, but maybe it was in the director's cut. Maybe, maybe. it was part of the four hours. Maybe <laughs> maybe they spent forty five minutes going. You know, if it's pointed to the north. Okay. No. Okay. Yeah. Right. So they've got the the. The, the words too which you didn't know what they meant so you can kind of go over what they meant if you'd like that's fine okay so so satiny um i don't know explicitly what it means but it is used in the conjuring um of of demons uh or spirits um they also had uh zazos zazos um she was in um fort verlaine <laughs> zazos pedals <laughs> Zuzu pedos. Um No. So that that it's is avocado. Avocado. <laughs> <laughs> avocado. Yeah. Um. So that's almost like I think a lot of people when they see that they they kind of um put that in in context to um. Oh my God! I can't think of the the Exorcist. Okay. Right, because you had Pazuzu. Um, and they they're I would never let a Ouija board in this house. But I guess when people sometimes ask who they're talking to, if they're playing with a Ouija board, they'll get Zazu or Zazu. Um, then there was Liftoch, which is a Hebrew word, um, which I may believe means opening the gate. Pando, it's like pandemonium. And pandemonium, yeah. yeah, is one of the cities in hell. Um, so basically it was kind of open the gates of hell but how did you how did you know what those words meant i looked it up you had to look it up i mean i'm sitting here i'm sitting here looking at a word and i'm like she can't even spell satan right i mean literally that's what i thought when i saw it on the on the, on the thing i'm like it's 13 she's just 13 this 13 year old girl is fucking stupid and and then i saw life tote lift toach or whatever and i'm like is she trying to write life roach is is, is that because peter's a pothead i had no idea those are the things that uh, that frustrated me you know what I? I <laughs> Sorry. I, no, but it would. I, I'm looking at it, going. I have no idea what that means. You could have. You could have. I mean, in two hours, you could have taken some time to give it and let us know. You know something. She. She. They took the time to show her. To show us, her painting those what those those words on the wall of the miniature. Right. I did not see left lift toch. I did not mm-hmm. see that on any of the walls in the house. 
I did not see that word Liv until Toch, she painted it. I think Liv Toch was in, in Tony Collette's room. Okay. Yeah. Who who wrote that? Uh, you, uh, you would assume the grandmother or maybe Charlie. Okay. I, yeah. But see what I mean? I mean, I'm like, ah, come on. Help me, help me understand so that now I can really be fucking freaked out. Let me ask you a question here, Ro. You you mentioned the foreshadowing, and there is a lot of mm-hmm. foreshadowing in this movie. Okay. And and I know that everybody knows it, but we're gonna go over it. Foreshadowing is basically just hinting about what's coming. Right. Right. Why? I'm watching a movie to be scared. I don't want to know what's coming. Why are you sh- just it well, should it- let just let it oh, it's this great literary technique. You know what else is? Spelling stuff correctly. I don't it it it. Well, I, I don't think get for, it. foreshadowing is so something doesn't come completely out of the blue and and take you out of it. Because that's the one thing you've been talking about this whole time is this these are the things that take me out of it. Driving down the road mm-hmm. with a girl sticking her head out who's he, who's going into what is it anaphylactic shock or whatever they call that. Yep. And she's having a hard time breathing, so she sticks her head out of the window. I can assure you if I had not known that scene was coming, nothing would have taken me out. Would have surprised me more than to see her head get by by, by the telephone pole. But even if I hadn't known it was coming, the fact that they lingered on that telephone pole for twenty seconds, at least when he was driving to the party, I now know exactly what's going to happen when she sticks her head out that window. Don't I mean? I, I I understand foreshadowing. I un, I I get it, but you you're trying you're trying to scare me. You're trying to shock me. You're trying to make me go, "Holy shit." Um I only got that once in this movie. I only got that holy shit moment once in this movie, and in a movie like that, you should get it more. I mm-hmm. I feel like I I I'm I don't I don't know why foreshadowing is you have to do it. It's like, well, he didn't have any foreshadowing in the movie at all. Yeah, and you didn't know where the hell was going. I, I, I'm I, just asking because I don't understand why it's highly regarded as this great technique. I mean, I can write a movie about a guy falling off a cliff and do two hours of foreshadowing of him falling off a cliff. Like, oh, look, he's walking down. He's He fell in the pool. He, he I fell. mean, there's a lot of things where you have foreshadowing and things still surprise you. But I think after, after the fact, you're kind of like, you know what I mean? You've got that context. Like it doesn't completely come out of the blue for you. It doesn't have to be overt, but you have to have some. That's that's why. Why do you have to have some? Because then you could just do anything and happen, and you could have no logic in a movie. And and no one hates you. No one hates defying logic in a movie more than you. Wait a minute. <laughs> so if you don't show me a picture of a telephone pole before someone's head gets ripped off by a telephone pole, I'm going to go, that makes no sense at all. There's, there's no well, the, logic the there. The reason that they had it on the telephone pole, let's, let's to be fair, um, is that the telephone pole had the sig, sig, the, sig, the, the signature, the, the, signet, s, the sigil. The sigil. The, there we the, go. The sigil of payment on it. Couldn't have shown me that when you showed me her head laying on the ground covered in ants? Um, I think that you dipped ants covered head was enough <laughs> but now i know something's going to happen with this telephone pole i know something's going to happen with this telephone pole and it's not going to involve somebody walking down the road that gets their head ripped you, you see, that's that's what i'm getting I, I what you're saying i i i understand but 
if you're really looking to shock me, and you're right, nobody wants rules to be abided by more in a movie than me. And I don't care what your rules are. Once you tell me the rules, you need to follow the rules. That that's my that's my thing. But I'm not going to say that's completely illogical that her head got that ripped off by that by that telephone pole just because you didn't show me the telephone pole. I know telephone poles exist. Now, if she's walking down the road and this magic scythe comes out of nowhere and chops her head off, then I'm going to go, what? What? Right, but they're not showing you the telephone pole to, to, to the beheading. It's just to put two and two together that that it wasn't an accident. It wasn't intentional. Again, you could have shown me that after her head got ripped off and then I would have been like, then I would have been more, I would have been impressed by that more because I'd have been like, ah, oh, the game is afoot. <laughs> right? To me, to me at game. that point, at that point, I would have been, I would have been more impressed. <laughs> okay. Because actually them showing me that beforehand takes me out of it even more because there's no way that a cult could have orchestrated that exact thing to happen. Say it again now. Okay. They go to a party. She eats a cake. The cake has nuts. Mm-hmm. They don't have an EpiPen. Of course. He blows her off, blah, 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 until she gets really sick. He throws her in the car, and then he goes to drive her home. Not somewhere else. Not, they did, what he I- He said the hospital. They were going to the hospital. Okay. Ambulance? 911? Something? They could have showed Hot at up. the party? Probably didn't want to get well, everybody in trouble. Well, you know what? Yeah, let's not get everybody in trouble. Let's have somebody die, regardless. They, they That cult could not have set that all up perfectly for her to have stuck her head. There's They had zero control of that little girl sticking her head out of that car at any point on that ride. She could have done it a mile later, a mile earlier. At that point, um, that that's... that's uh, yeah. Again. That's all I'm getting at. Dollhouse. Dolls in a dollhouse. No agency. It's set no, up in they, the beginning. No, they all had agents. I'm sure that their agents <laughs> were, did their contracts for them. Every it's one of them. set up in the beginning. You're you're taken into a dollhouse, I, and then you meet these people. So, one, that's one. Two, demons, man. Demons. <laughs> I'm not buying Legions it. of demons. Okay. Let's talk about what this film reminded you of in terms of other horror movies because there was a lot of influence of a lot of different like this movie reminded me of that time that I had a really hard poo and I cried <laughs> I'm kidding I was going to say holy shit but <laughs> <laughs> that would have been absolutely priceless that would have been spot on I would have just unholy I would, shit <laughs> I, would, I would have dropped your mic for you and walked right, right out of this room all right um, what did it remind me of? Um, well, obviously, The Exorcist. Some... I'm not going to lie to you. I've only seen The Exorcist once, and it was a long time ago, and I will not watch that movie again. I I apologize for to anybody, whatever you say, you... No, no, no way. Because spoilers abound here, but you've got that scene where Peter wakes up in the middle of the night, and <laughs> there's mom in her bathrobe up in the corner of the room. That was fucking creepy. That was creepy. That was creepy. And that was a shot that you could not have gotten without the removable wall because you saw the entire room. Right. I, I, yeah, here's the thing that we were watching. When when I think about that scene, um, 
we're watching it on our TV at home. So the contrast on our TV allowed us to see it much quicker than say if I was watching that scene on my computer, right? Oh, yeah. I probably wouldn't be able have been able to see her. Right. I that that is a instance where I would have liked to seen it in the theater to one see how quickly you could spot her. Um, because I, I was watch, uh, listening to, and, and two to hear somebody in the front row go, "Holy shit!" Well, that's the thing. I was, I was, um, I like to listen to to the Evolution of Horror podcast, um, and because they always talk about different horror, and one of the and the the host has a lot of um, experts in in film, um, especially in the genre of horror, uh, talking about it. And, it sh- and one guest he had on it was talking about being in the screening of that. And she said when that scene happened, it was almost like a wave because certain people would catch it and then two seconds later, another person would catch it. And then, you know what I mean? So you were getting people's reactions to it, like just jumping. Um, That scene almost, almost looked like it was filmed in black and white because there was zero color. Yeah, the light. And it really made her blend in. Right. It was just completely desaturated. It was just crazy. Yeah. yeah, so so that was that was very much reminding me of 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 The Exorcist, you know. As, now, as creepy and as awesome as that was, the part where she goes crawling out of the room ruined it for me. It ruined it for you? Oh yeah, you didn't see her. You could, I saw her. You could see that she was like on a live wire and I'm, trying to swim where there was no water. She was I'm, not. She wasn't touching the wall. Let me tell you the first because. Usually when I watch horror movies, you're not home. Okay. Um, and then we run into the problems with the, the cats freaking me out because that's when they decide that they're going to sit in front of me See, and stare intently behind me. That's how I know there's a heaven and hell because our cats are <laughs> demons. <laughs> so when I watched Hereditary, you were home. I don't think I was. You were I, home. You were in here. You were in the podcast room. You were doing some kind of work. I don't know if you were watching another movie or something like that, but I was watching it. That part, like, I knew to expect her to be in the corner. Because you had listened to, like, spoilers before? I had listened to spoilers before. Um, because to, to, to tell you the truth, I was kind of freaked out about seeing this movie. And I didn't want to be that scared. With good reason. It's creepy. With good right. reason. It's creepy as fuck. Right. So... There she was in the corner, and you got Peter looking behind him, and then you see her her over his shoulder doing that how you fly in, in dreams thing where you swim. Um, that made me turn it off and decide that I was going to finish seeing it the next morning. That You were like four minutes away from the end of the movie. I know. <laughs> I was freaked out, man, by that. And so... The, uh, off it went and <laughs> so but that's so funny that it freaked me out and that's what took you out of it it just didn't look like it, it didn't look believable that she was crawling on the wall it looked like she was flying through the air that's what it looked like to me she was flying through the air yeah she wasn't crawling on the wall she was flying she was that's fucking weird yeah anyway um so the other thing it reminded me of um was uh, Amityville Horror with all the flies. See, I've never seen that. Uh, you, you still know about the flies. That was Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> you 
You still know about the flies in, in, I, I in Amityville know, Horror. I don't know that much about Amityville Horror, except yeah. that we got to go, baby. We got to go. Um, yeah, so that was, um, you know, you've got the, the grandmother's body was exhumed. The head was chopped off. She's up in the attic. Um, they opened the attic door and just flies everywhere. So that, that reminded me of that. Um, he, um, meaning Ariaster, um, said that there was a few movies that completely rattled him when he was younger. Howard the Duck? No. <laughs> Carrie was one. Okay. Um, he also took a lot of inspiration from um, Don't Look Now. Uh, heard of it. It's a movie with Donald Sutherland. It's about a husband and wife whose daughter drowns. And they move to Italy um, to try to kind of get over it. And it's them dealing with their grief. But there's also... It's not supernatural, but there's, you know, something happens. And it's got this really weird twist ending and stuff like that. So I can see him pulling okay. from that. Um, but it was, it's definitely, it's definitely got spots to it where you can kind of pull other, you know, horror movies from it, you know? And okay. So it's, I can I can see there was one more and I I'll I'll have to it'll come to me later well, I'm sure. You know I I think that as our as our society progresses and we continue to have more and more years where we're making movies like this mm-hmm. it gets harder and harder to do something that's original. Um and I also think that that makes it harder and harder to make it original and be able to follow through with everything that I want it to do. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, explain it to me. I, 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 under, I can understand that coming up with something new and, and uh, visceral as this is, right. is really hard. It's visceral, yeah. Yes. Visceral and is I, a great word and for I, it. And I give him, what does that word mean? I don't know. <laughs> I give him a lot of credit for what he did with this movie because, this, I, I mean, again, it's, it, he did a really good job. So, imitation, Rosemary's Baby. Oh, 100%. 100%, yeah. right? <laughs> Excuse me. Um, when you make a movie like this, you know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Right. And there's a lot of people, like when we watched the new, the newest Halloween, the one where they bypassed all the other Halloweens, <sighs> yeah. we had issues with it and you were like, well, he killed him like this. Sometimes fan service is a good thing. It's it's it, it kind of makes it fun. You know what I mean? Because right. you were like, oh, that was number two or that was number six. You know things like that. Right. Um, having the overtones and the underlying from these movies that are classics. I mean, you know, everybody knows what Rosemary's Baby is. You know, everybody knows what The Exorcist is. Everybody knows what Carrie is. I, I I'm okay with that. I, I think it it gives it it gives it meat because it, it kind of draws you into it a little bit more. Right. But even though we're sitting here comparing it to the exorcist and Carrie and Norismo's baby, none of that occurred to me until after we were done watching. Yeah. It. I mean, some of it, some of it occurred to me while we were watching it. Um, but it wasn't enough to take me out of it. Cause we had this conversation when we did our, um, network episode, our first episode, uh, when we talked about the Joker, right, and uh-huh. and Todd Phillips drawing from King of Comedy, Taxi Driver, Network, but to me it, that was it kind of went a little bit beyond 
homage and it went straight into just it was the king of comedy but the picking, guy was yeah it was yes. it was just you know, it was straight derivative right i don't think that this was and i, 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 I think no, I it was either. done with a, a lot of love and that's so. what i that's what i meant when i was saying it's hard to do something new and 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 he did it even though he pulled from the fabric that makes that stuff you're not sitting there going that was the scene right out of rosemary's baby he, mm-hmm. that, that never once did that happen to me in this movie um performances in this movie you you're raving about Tony Collette. I, I think she was very good. Mm-hmm. I don't think that she blew blew the doors off. She was really she was really good in it. I, I don't know that this is like a best actor nomination snub or anything like that. I think everybody in this movie was very good. Yeah. Um. The person I liked the least was Joan. She was. Well, she's she's one of the aunties in um, the Handmaid's Tale, so I don't think you're supposed to like Joan. <laughs> not not that I didn't like her, because you don't. You're not going to like that character because you know what she's doing, even though you don't know. You know what she's doing, right? It was. I guess I just. It was weird to me that they played it the way that they did. Yeah, mm-hmm. and just the, the way that the, the way maybe the way that she took ownership of the character. It just, it was like a little... Well, it's, again, it's very much like, you know, Rosemary's Baby, where you have, you know, somebody like Minnie Kasovitz that, um, it's a little old lady. I, I what know. harm could be, you I, know I, what I, I mean? Know. Yeah. I, and so, yeah, I, I, it's, it's... Maybe it's because I know that she's an evil bitch. Maybe. And, I, and I'm looking at her going, you're fake. You fake. You fake ass. You fake. I bet. <laughs> I bet you got fake nails, and I bet those eyelashes are fake. You know, no some, fake. Yeah, something, baby. something like that. So uh, yeah. maybe, um, I think obviously, even uh, even though Gabrielle Byrne is a great actor, um, he I, takes pills weird. I feel like <laughs> I feel like they should have had someone a little bit closer to her age, or they should have younged him down a little bit in that. Maybe I mean, he 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 looked he looked sixties in this. Yeah, he well, he just looked beat he looked ragged and you i it, i don't think it detracted from the performance no it me. didn't detract detract from the performance at all but that you would think it, it's almost like you know it's it's not spelled out but i you know one of the other reviewers that you know it's a youtuber um you know thought okay maybe maybe she met steve as a as a patient Right. And it's a father figure for her. And it's, a, you know, um, which kind of explains that relationship. It's it's very strange to me that she would be married to a psychiatrist and not believe in therapy. Um, that's just that's that's very strange. Um, I thought the fact that she could go there and be that raw. I mean, she's she's done it before she's done these really out there roles um united states of tara being one of them um i think she said that she wasn't interested in this movie when she first read it um there was something about it that made her want to do it um because this isn't a role that she mm -hmm. relishes playing anymore well she said you know people asked her if she was hesitant to work with a first-time director and she said the fact that he wrote it 
as well made him made her have greater faith in in him knowing exactly what he wanted it it cracks me up when you hear somebody ask her something like that mm-hmm. did you not want to work with him cuz he was a first time director uh well the fucking check cleared <laughs> duh you know does anybody ask bruce willis did you like working with him even though he was a first time director i i think that there were some nuances that she did bring to the role that she did a great that, job that, yes that yeah it got me you know um uh, Alex Wolf was great in it too. He, um, you know, there were some things about both performances that may may have taken me out for a second or two, which is kind of why in the beginning I said we'll see over time how this does, right? Because even with Rosemary's Babies, Rosemary's Babies is like in my top five horror movies. Um, there are a few things in Rosemary's Baby that take me out of it that I'd rather just skip past. Um, but you know, we'll see. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby to me was a good movie, but it's not a movie that I would watch over and over. There's there's a lot of things in it that you're just like, you know, you, this wasn't needed. You could have spent it doing something else. I know that it was the '60s. I know that you know there was a, probably a low budget. You're mm-hmm. you're right. I don't think there was anything in this movie that watching it, yeah, that didn't have to do with the how mm-hmm. of its happening that took me out of it. Um, uh, I did not buy at the end when she shows she gets tries to get him to go up into the attic and he comes down and he's like, You did this. You went to a movie and you dug her you you didn't go to a movie. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're a sci you're a, you're a, a therapist, mm-hmm. you're a psychologist, and you basically deal in this and this the and concrete, this. yeah. And you the know mind. that you're not just gonna she went to the movies. She went to the movies, air quotes movies, after the cemetery had called him and told him that the body had been dug up. They literally dug that body up like the day after the fucking funeral. Right. So, come on, dude. One person can do that? Six feet? A lot of dirt? No, thanks. You can't do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, one person can't, but you, I mean, not, not quickly. One person could, but yeah, it would take a while, but... I mean, you, th- those were th- it was those little things. The whole right. what language is even this? You're like, right. what the f- what? I just did you did you did you go hit Peter's pipe? What? <laughs> there's there's the scene where he decides that he's sleeping on the couch, which is weird because you know he's sleeping in the in the why did thing. yeah why did he decide to sleep on the couch? She was the one that was always leaving the bed. Oh uh, yeah, exactly. You know, but where he's taking the pills and he's got his palm out straight, and he's basically just doing. You know, yeah, putting a palm right up to his face. I'm like, who takes pills like that? <laughs> Gabriel Byrne, I guess. I guess. Um, so that's that's nuts, absolutely nuts. She she did. I mean, she deserves to be praised for what she did in this movie. The thing that she did that I have a hard time uh, believing that a lot of actors do is what she was able to get dead eyes in this. Mm-hmm. She she just she could just get that look on her face where you're like, why is she? That's not her. She's not there anymore. Yeah, is she yeah. Im- is she imploding right now? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So uh, you know, I thought Alex Wolf was was really good. Um. As far as the kind of that tortured soul, you know. Okay. Um. His you know the guilt was palpable you know after charlie dies in this thing you know that that whole 
scenario was based on a true story, right? No, I don't. Yes, that actually was. Um, uh, I can't remember if they said it was college roommates or or something happened, but there was a guy that that actually did that. Was in such a state of shock that he went home and went to bed, and they f- realized the next day that the person had been had been killed. I don't remember if his head got blown or ripped off by a whatever, but he the it, mind does some pretty of course it does amazing things because yeah. um you know I've um knew someone early early in my lifetime her her brother committed suicide um and uh, he hung himself okay um his wife came home went looking for him found the body but continued to look for him just couldn't accept it um okay we're going to a dark place here um we went to the wake and the, the person that we knew the sister was so distraught that she was like oh well this is my brother <laughs> you know um so yeah the mind can do that the mind can i, I, yeah, I, bought, I bought that shut especially down. especially since he was high off his ass <laughs> so you know that's absolutely insane Gabriel Byrne, I think, gives a fairly decent performance. No, he in this. he did a yeah. great job. It was just, and Myla Shapiro was just creepy. You, oh yeah, she she was really good. Uh, I just feel like that you what what I would have liked to have seen is I would have liked to have seen Gabriel Byrne's hair less gray, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you see that color hair on a man, you assume that he is late fifties, early sixties. If you wanted that haggard look. Give him, you know, hair that's colored like mine, maybe salt and peppery, and then have his face worn. That, right? You know, they did that with Tony Collette. Mm-hmm. They didn't age her any, but they didn't put any makeup on her. She right. she looked worn and haggard. So, well, I mean, you take it. You got to kind of even. Let's let's take all the supernatural crazy stuff out of it. You've got a person who had a parent that they were essentially caretaking for and mm-hmm. what what appeared to be a long time because she had a room in the house and then by all accounts by all the miniatures she was in hospice at one point um that's a lot mm-hmm. even if, even for a strained relationship oh, of course to deal with after after the death because right. you're kind of you don't know what to, you know what i mean i agree um so i think tonally the film got that completely right um so i don't know i I don't think his age bothered me as much as just that you know he's he's the hardest one to kind of identify with and you really can't identify with charlie they don't allow you to because she's so off right she's supposed to be Uh, i think that's off uh, with 11 f's The only thing I get about that girl is her love for chocolate. Um, so that's, I mean, I just felt that the I, the performances of like all the extras and stuff like that, like the kids in the classroom and, and the conversations that are had in the background while, you know, poor Peter's having an anxiety attack while they're all smoking a bowl at lunchtime or whatever are very reminiscent of some of that really bad 70s dialogue from things like Halloween and stuff like that. But the principal cast 
is spot on. Did, speaking of that, did you notice that the scene where they are underneath the bleachers smoking the pot mm-hmm. and Peter kind of freaks out and the one guy's like, hey, man, are you okay? And Peter's like, just hold my hand, just hold my hand, just hold right. my hand. You know that he's in the treehouse at the end. The kid? Yep. No. Yep. See, I... He's in the back looking at everybody's bunghole. <laughs> Prime position. Um, I, I know that the, the weird guy that smiles at Charlie at the funeral when she's looking at the, the casket mm-hmm. is the guy who's in the living room. Yes. Um, somebody thought, and I tried to look to see if one of his teachers was one of the cult members. Weird. Right. That'd be weird. That'd be creepy as fuck. Well, specifically since the teacher was talking about agency and tragedy and things like that. We got to stop talking about this movie. I'm not gonna be able to sleep tonight. (laughs) Let's watch Avengers or something. Oh, God. Um, one thing we were talking about earlier um, before we started recording was Ari Aster's um, kind of actor's ex- exercises with the family, um, specifically Millie Shapiro and, and, and Alex Wolf, as far as their ability to act like they have been part of a family for a long time. And you, I, I don't know what, what source did you find the, the going to buy a sweater? IMDb. IMDb. Okay. Um, I was listening to, uh, a, it was a interview with both Miley and, and Peter, uh, Peter, um, Alex. And he said, you know, he t- had to take her, you know, hold her hand across the street, go to a Burger King, ask her what she wants. She, all she would do is kind of look, look at the menu and stuff like that. So he was trying, you know what I mean? So it was a frustrating situation where she was in character. He was in character. He's like, but it was also very intimate because I've got to hold her hand, make sure she's safe and, and do all these things. So I, I hadn't heard about the sweater part. The, Cause they were in, they were filming in Utah and it was in, the, it was supposed to be filmed in the winter time. Um, but they couldn't quite do it apparently because the weather was really bad, so they had to push a little bit, but it was still really cold. Mm-hmm. Um, and she needed a sweatshirt or something, and he had Alex take her to the mall, and they had to stay in character. So things like that. So um, I mean, that's good. That's good exercise. I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of people out there that are method actors. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you get into it and you stay there, and I get it. And and you could tell that. They cared about each other, but they didn't care about each other. You know what I mean? Right. Like, he's my big brother. I get it. Thanks, but I'm good. Right. The creepiest thing in this movie was those little little figures that she was making. Yeah. Oh, fucking weird. 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 Like, almost had you turn it off. Like, I got to go. <laughs> I got to go. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a roller derby down at the YMCA or something. I got to go watch. I, it was was really, really creepy. Well, it's funny because it's, you know, you can see... And I think the casting was great because, I mean, Miley Shapiro did have very similar looks to Tony as far as the hair is concerned and and all that. Um, The thing I noticed this time around is the kids just look so disheveled. Oh, yeah. Never never combed her hair. I kept wanting yell at Peter to take a goddamn shower. Um, well, he smells like axe farts and weed, you know, on the, on the, uh, on the, yeah, 
on the cinema sins they made the comment about how you know maybe wake her up before your mom's in the car you, you know I'm like okay good, good enough yeah there's there's a few things like that there's there's a couple things that do take me out of this movie i mean like at the end where you've got um when the spirit of payment takes over peter and he's led toward the treehouse by the you know because mom decapitates herself when she's um, possessed um, and her body is floating up into the treehouse of kind of like eh, practical effect not the greatest but okay um, he he did not want to use any CGI in this movie he wanted everything to be practical effects no I could see that and I can respect that fair enough yeah I'm good with it. I can respect that. I mean, he is a great filmmaker. Uh, one of the things that I did do is I did watch all his shorts. Before. Like cargo shorts? <laughs> spandex shorts? Bike shorts? <laughs> did you see his Millie Vanilli act? Bermuda shorts. Um, his, because uh, I had seen before, before we watched Hereditary, I'd watched Midsommar. So I said, okay, I'm going to watch all the shorts that I can, you know, cause he's got three shorts. He's got, um, one called, uh, cargo bow, <laughs> um, which is like a 15 minute horror short. Um, one called the strange things about the Johnsons, which is like a 30 minute short and it's extremely disturbing. Um, bunch of dick pics uh, who hurt you, Ari. Um, it's basically, uh, you want, you really want to know what it's about? No, I okay, don't. I, I won't I, tell you. I made, the, I, it's, it's a bunch of dick pics. No. All about Johnsons? No. No. Yeah. It's more disturbing than that. Um, <laughs> and then right. there's one that's called Bunchausen. And it features, it's a, it is a completely silent movie. It just has, it's, it's almost like a Pixar short with the music and everything. It has Bonnie Bedelia. Nice. Um, who's a mom to a, her son's going away to college. And she starts thinking about what it's going to be like without him and, and, and all the things that he's going to potentially do. And it's just all this light, bright, you know, happy music and all this stuff. And so she decides that she doesn't want him to go. And so she ends up like poisoning him, Munchausen syndrome kind of thing. Um, it is f- fucked up as only Ari Esther can be fucked up, but it's brilliantly done. So, I mean, you cannot fault him for his creativity, but he no. is messed up. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> do you have Do you have Midsommar on your list for me? No, I do not. Okay. Yeah. Don't put it on there. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that to you. All right. Thanks. Right, Hereditary is enough. Yeah. It is. <laughs> All right. Uh, any? Do you have anything else you want to talk about as far as this movie is concerned? I mean, we didn't really talk a whole lot about. A lot of things, but I think a lot of people talk about hereditary, so I don't wanna uh not really um, no not not really okay i All think right. um we're we're at a, we're at an hour forty. Let's go ahead and get rid of the I have questions okay, you don't have any more questions. Oh no no, we're that's what I'm saying. We're at an hour forty. Let's start the I have questions oh okay, let's start it, okay, go ahead, hit me with them okay. Her husband's a psychologist. Yes. A therapist. Yes. He walks in and sees her making a miniature of her daughter's head being ripped off. Mm-hmm. And you don't fucking do anything about it? Go, oh, Connie. Annie? Annie. 
<laughs> um, he was writing at the end to somebody saying she needs help. Okay. That was when he was sitting at his t- his, his thing w- with the whiskey or the bourbon or whatever it yes. was. I so I missed I missed that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll, he I'll, was he was he was reaching out to somebody to try to get some help for her. I'll, I'll let I'll let that go. Okay. How was Peter not charged with manslaughter? That's a good question. Goddamn right, it's a good question. <laughs> I mean, if it's an accident, it's still manslaughter. It doesn't matter. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because he's under the influence. Well, nobody was there, and the, he drove away. Now. Leaving the scene of an accident. That is different because I, I don't push that one as much because it, it happened. You, you didn't do it to somebody else. You know what I mean? He didn't hit another car. If you leave the scene and you hit another car, yes. Or if you hit somebody else, it was in the car. And, and you know, the, the story. But it would have been very easy for them to have gone to the party and said, did he smoke any weed? And it would have been very easy for them to have tested him. Hmm. And would it have held up in court? Maybe not. But it was never even mentioned. So is this? Uh, well, here's a. Th- let me, let me, let me expose myself as 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 uh, ignorant of of laws and stuff like that. I mean, is it a matter of pressing charges, or is it a matter of just Ma- breaking man- the law? Manslaughter would be charged by the state. Would that be? would not be. That would not be the mother wanting to charge that 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 that, that person. Uh, for instance, uh, let's say somebody gets a, is out driving and they're, and they're drunk mm-hmm. and they hit a car of a man that has no family, no sons, daughters, wives, nothing, and he dies. Mm-hmm. So who would charge the okay. person with manslaughter? Th- right. That would be a charge that the state would, would, would bring. Yeah, good question. Okay. Um, Charlie is 13 years old. Yeah. <laughs> And she's not smart enough to ask because they're fucking nuts in that? Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like before the first time I watched this, I was like, is she autistic? I, I don't. Charlie is 13 years old and knows that if a nut comes within 18 feet of her, she will die. And she's not smart enough to get her fucking EpiPen. The right. mother isn't smart enough. To, they went to the funeral with that. Is that does that got almonds well, in it? I certainly hope not. Because we didn't bring I'm, the fucking like, epipen. You know, Annie is not exactly mother of the year, and that's kind of what I, you know, said in my summary. She's very neglectful of these children, and, and that, right? And, and that upsets me because that just shows me that they that that's one of the writing fall downs I have. I have a fall down right there. I would prefer that he use the epipen improperly. Like little monsters. Like little monsters. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would prefer preferred. Because listen, we all act like we know how to use an EpiPen, but we've none of us, most right. of us have never used one. You can use it wrong. You can put it in the right spot or in the wrong spot. You could miss. You could not you know what I mean? Well but I, yeah. at least act like you give a shit that your daughter might fucking die. Yeah. Your mother is allergic to shrimp. Right. She doesn't go anywhere without a fucking EpiPen. Right. Which is probably why she's 70 plus years old because she was smart enough to take her goddamn EpiPen with her her entire life. Well, that's the thing too is it's like where, you know, you that's for me the fact that the EpiPen was not provided, the EpiPen wasn't brought to the funeral. Of course, you wouldn't expect somebody to eat at a funeral home. Um, where the fuck she gets the chocolate bar. But, it, um, yeah, but, but you, it, know, you know what I mean? That, that to me was like her pretending she's a good mother, but she's not. Right? Yeah. Like acting like, oh my God, is there nuts in that? We didn't bring the EpiPen. Well, th- bring the fucking EpiPen. How hard and, is it? 
Right. It goes in your purse. You can have six of them. Put one in your and purse, one you in know, your pocket, one in your wallet. Just don't fold your wallet. She, you know what I mean? They're, they're saying that the, the, the grandmother was the one that kind of cared for the daughter for some respect. So is she like kind of just giving, you know what I mean? That just, that was, to me, yeah, it, I, I get that point and, and that point is brought up by a lot of people and but to me it's almost like how dis it just tells me how disconnected Annie is from the rest of her family. I, I you know I, I'm not I saying being... that that's being you know I'm not 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 I'm not defending it in that. It's just to me I read that as what the fuck Annie, you know, get your head in the game, be a mom, you know. I when I see something like that, you're I think you're being a glasses half full type person. When I see something like Which that is rare the for first me. the first thing I say is that's lazy writing. That's the first thing I say, mm -hmm. and that kind of pulls me out of a little bit. But you know, fair, fair. What? What? I mean, right. it's it's brought up by a lot of people. I'm sure everybody says the same thing. Right. Okay. Um, who dug up the body? The cult. I would say the cult did. We're, we're guessing though, at the cult. I'm gonna guess it's the cult, um, because you've got quite a few people in that cult, so okay. I think they could probably get the job done. Okay. Yeah. Two, two part question: Why did the husband not say anything to her about that? That's part of that screwed up family dynamic. Why wouldn't he tell Annie? Maybe he didn't want to upset Annie, like knowing how volatile she was. But why didn't Annie tell her husband she was going to grief grief counseling or the the the, the group or stuff like that? This family, especially especially since he's a therapist, right. he probably would have understood. He probably would have drove her there. Right. That's what I think. I think this. Yeah, this family was not at all connected. So what, what? But what happens if she's feeling sad and she decides she wants to go talk to her mom and she shows up and there's a fucking hole in the ground and then she finds out that he knew for a week and it, you know what I mean? Right. I don't think she would have gone probably simply not. because of the relationship that they did have. Okay. You're a. Let's see. What do you think she was in this movie? 40, 42, 44? Annie? Yeah. Uh, she had, well, she had like a teenage son, so I'm assuming she's probably mid to late 40s. At least, right? So she has Charlie. Mm -hmm. we, we're going to assume, we're going to assume that Peter is a junior because they were talking about taking SATs. Yes. Charlie's a 13 year old. Mm -hmm. So, so a junior is the SATs. He's probably 17. So let's say, let's say she's 42 in the movie. We're going to drop 13 years off of that. She's going to be 31. Okay. No, 42. It'd be 29. Mm -hmm. 29, you have a baby. Mm -hmm. Your mother comes in and starts breastfeeding your baby. At what point are you not supposed to say, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> what does she do? Uh, she makes a miniature of it. Um, That's not a fucked up family dynamic. That, oh, is, that, that is, is straight up mental. That's just fucked up. Um, and the second question could be, what are you feeding her? You've Satan been dry, milk. You've been dried up for 20 years. Satan milk. Um, I mean, I, you have to take your pants off me, to get your boob out. Let me answer my freaking I, I, question, no, I, they, God they, they damn just it. keep coming. They just keep coming at me. She has to take her, pa her, would... take her pants off to get her boob out. <laughs> I mean, fuck. <laughs> Go ahead, sweetheart. I'm sorry. They just kept coming to me, and they were too good to not uh, pat their... Okay. I I would think because one of the things that she says in the eulogy is like she got her way. You disagreed with her; it didn't matter. So I think maybe you you're you're talking about someone who's had a lifetime of bullying probably by their mother. 
probably. So which would ex- which is more than so why would the brother th- killing himself? Right, and the fact that she created this miniature is probably the closest you're going to get to her actually admitting that this happened. Right. So right. anyway, that's that's my my take on it. Okay. You um. Go. When she's chasing Peter at the end. Uh huh. How'd she get in the attic? Dollhouse. Playing in the dollhouse. Pull her out. Put her back in. Is mm-hmm. that is that why she sat there and beat her head on the door for thirty seconds? Oh, that's just demon, man. Yeah. All right. <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm gonna. That was sorry. Creepy. Yeah, it was. Um, I'm, I'm, but I'm throwing the bullshit flag on the dollhouse answer. Sorry. I'm, I'm just saying dollhouse. Agree with me if she, you want. She's a demon. Don't agree with me. Oh, also. Never, ever, 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 ever in my life have I seen an attic door that locks in the attic. Grandma's private rituals? No, that was their house. That wasn't her house. She lived there. She had a room. But Peter knew exactly where the lock was? All right. There was zero insulation in that attic, too. Zero. <laughs> okay. Okay, so so the last one is a question that I want to ask because the last one is a question that I want to ask because it takes me to something else that I feel like would have happened in the movie. Okay. Okay. Does Peter die? Uh, I think maybe maybe not. I don't I, I, think I, I, anybody I, dives out of a window technically. Mm-hmm. That's the third story. Mhm. Okay. So you are jumping from at least 20 feet high. Mm-hmm. And you land on your chest. Mm-hmm. Your face, basically. Mm-hmm. Could he, he live? Are you, are you broke your nose. Could he live? Yes, he could. It was soft dirt. Okay, it's still, it's still going to fuck him up pretty bad. Does, but does he die? I don't know. Rambo jumped from that very high cliff. And I said that that was the part <laughs> that I throw the bullshit flag on. <laughs> But Rambo jumped from that very high cliff, and I call and I called bullshit on it. I no, I'm not. I'm not trying to call bullshit. I'm. I'm asking. Does he die? Does he die before payment takes over his body? I don't think so. Okay. That's that's just my take on it. But okay, others could. If payment's goal mm-hmm. was to have a male body, yes, a young male body. Okay. Why did payment not leave Ellen? Was that her name? The mother? Ellen. The yeah. grandmother? Why did Payman not leave her body when her brother killed himself? I don't know if Payman was... I, I, you see, this is the hard hard thing. Cause I've heard people say that, you know, they, they say that the mother, which I didn't say before, when she does that verbal diarrhea at um, at the, the um, support group, she talks about her mother having DID and dementia Yeah. toward the end. However... She's also the queen, so I don't know if she had him in her or not. But, I mean, it's well, not... she's she was the queen because mm-hmm. that was the body that Payment took over. But she was also wearing a bridal N- gown. Yeah, which is super in the creepy, pictures. Yeah, creepy in itself. so she was. And, but what that's what I'm getting at. Payment was in her body, wanted a male body. Mm-hmm. He doesn't give a fuck about her. Why would he? You know what I mean? So I again, it's just. 
disjointed because you're not telling me what I want to know and not mm-hmm. explaining it enough. I, and, and we talked about that. I just wanted to know if you thought Peter died. I thought we were supposed to, we were supposed to believe that he had died. Mm-hmm. And if they did, then why didn't he move into her brother? Why didn't he move into Annie's brother when he killed himself is my question. Well, I think she was trying to do rituals to get him in there. I mean, I, th- I don't think it doesn't happen without a ritual, right? I just don't think yeah. he can willy-nilly just jump into bodies without something opening the door. I thought she said he was a devil. Lift oh, coach, right? You, you're opening the gate. You okay. have to open the gate in order to... to to make somebody vulnerable enough to let them in. I don't know if they had gated communities back then. <laughs> it may have, you know. Maybe. Um, okay. So, so that's that's what I think. So, you know, I think she was trying, and he kind of freaked out, and that's that's what happened, you know. Um, so that's, I guess, the answer. Okay. For for me. Why, when <laughs> she put the book into the fireplace, mm-hmm. she caught on fire. Okay. But then when she put the book into the fireplace, he caught on fire. And he didn't catch on fire like a little bit of the sleeve. He fucking, it was like Ignited. a napalm tank exploding in he was creepy the paper. jungles. Yeah, the jungles of Vietnam. Why? Why? Well, you were all upset because you said Pineman was a trickster. No, I this don't. W- I don't buy that. This would be the ultimate deception. He throws. She throws the book in the fire. Well, I think the ultimate deception is when he got her to cut her own head off. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, because he he got her to believe that. Her, you know, she she threw the book in the fire. So she she mistakenly thought it had to do with her, so she wasn't ready to kind of kill herself. So she wanted Steve to do it, and then. Steve needed to go out of the get out of the way anyway because he wasn't of any use. So, okay, Kafoof. I guess I'll say it again, Kafoof. Okay, that's it. That's my fire sound. Mine is. The only question I had is: could have could this whole thing have been avoided if they had just cremated the grandmother? That's a good question. You'd have to think. Because there would have been no body Maybe? to yeah. exhume and decapitate. None of the... Well, I mean, you see the body, supposedly the body. Whenever you see that sparkly light, that's supposed to be Payman, apparently. Or a demon of some or sort. Or a demon yeah. of some sort. So obviously they don't have to have a body to live. So maybe not. It's not like fire is going to hurt them because they're made of asbestos. Oh, well, no, um, but they needed the... The th- apparently they needed the three decapitations to occur, even though right. So then, you Steve, know, in, so then Steve gets decapitated too. But I, Steve's not in the bloodline. You had to have three decapitations in the bloodline. That's well. Then how was she going to transfer him to? Her, how was she going to transfer uh, payment to her son? Who were the three decapitations then? Because the husband was already dead. I don't know, but yeah. there's something that Bam, had to... nailed it. Lawyer. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies I... and gentlemen, that's my wife's way of saying fuck you. Um, <laughs> just so you are all on the same page as I am here. Oh, boy. Remember that scene in Who Framed Roger Rabbit when they find out that Judge Doom is a tune and he jumps <laughs> and the daggers literally pop out of his eyes? I just, I just got that. Bronze daggers, ladies not, and gentlemen. Not really, no. No, um, not really. Not really. 
Okay. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but right. you know, we're, if I'm going to poke holes, I'm going to poke holes. Okay. More holes in that story than a Hungarian-made condom. Well, that's what I, you know, again, third time. I'm not sure if this is going to hold up over the years for me, but it's enough to, to dig in and see how other people interpret this film. Okay. All right. Do you want to do box office? I will. This movie was made with a budget of $10 million. Hold on, i got to pick my microphone up here so I can talk into it. It made $44,069,456 in the United States in 2017. It was the number 70 movie that year. There are a lot of shitty movies that made more money than this did. Uh, I'm sorry, 2018. It wasn't 2018. 2018. 2018. Yeah. Um, uh, Goosebumps 2 yeah. made more money than okay. this. Um, this made just a little bit more money than Uncle Drew. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it performed very well, though. $10 mm-hmm. million, dollars, made $44 million in the States. It did make almost $85 million worldwide. And, of course, there's movies with DVD sales and stuff like that. Um, I mean, this is considered a success by anyone who talks about it simply because of the fact that it garnered attention to the studio. Mm-hmm. It made money. It made a profit. Uh, well, A24 has got some, it's got some killer pull. films. Yeah. yeah, It's got some pull now. Um, so, uh, you know, I mean... Um, it made it made uh seven hundred thousand dollars more than Sherlock Gnomes. <laughs> oh, so you know, success, yes, uh, huge money maker. No, it was not a purge or or you know anything by that means. Uh, I don't I don't think that people are doubting this guy's ability anymore. Uh, I think that they're pretty much. You know, he's probably that type of guy that if somebody's going to want to make a movie, they're going to give him carte blanche. He might not want to do that. He might want to work on his own stuff, like we were talking earlier. So, you know, it's not that's not bad. I mean, people hear forty two million dollars nowadays and like, oh my god, what a flop! Because there are movies that literally cost seventy million dollars to make, but this movie didn't have it. Didn't need that type of budget. It needed to build the house that they could pull the walls off of, and you needed to pay your actors. Everything else was just in the miniatures. Yeah, in the miniatures. But, I mean, I guarantee you they paid less for those miniatures than they would have paid to have CGI effects put in instead of going practical effects. So, you know, uh, the opening shot is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. How it does what it does and then it zooms in on the dollhouse and instantly that's the scene you come into. Uh, I, I wanted to say that earlier. I forgot. So, you know, I, I, I think it's a success. Okay. I, I well, I don't. I don't think it's success. It, it, there's no question this movie was successful. When you when you make nine times what you spend on something, it's a success. I don't care if it's a quarter that you. Yeah, spent. and I think at this point, Ari Aster can write his own ticket as far as. Most likely. Okay. All right. Got your top three. I don't have a. I don't. Film? I don't have a top three in this. You don't. I don't. I have, I have, I'm going to, I'm going to say a couple things that I really like, but I'm going to go after you because I know that you've okay. probably got my top, my, some of the things well, that I, these are, I don't know if they're a top three. I think they're just moments that broke me. <laughs> Mine are not favorite moments. It's move. It's moments that stood right. out. Yeah. These are, these are moments that, that got a gut 
reaction from me. Um, one of them is after, um, you know, Peter's in the, the bedroom with the bong, uh, with the girl and a bunch of other people. Um, and when Charlie comes in and say, says she can't breathe, the next scene you see is Peter carrying her out to the car. Mm-hmm. like Running. Yeah. And there's something about that shot where he's holding her like you'd hold a toddler and taking her to the car and the look on his face, it just hurt. Yep. <laughs> it hurt yeah. to see. Because um, you could tell as disaffected as you see Peter throughout this whole movie that that was a true moment. I think he actually cared about her too. Yeah. So that's that's one. Um, there is a scene um, where she meets Joan and she's talking to Joan about... Uh, Joan's asking her um, how she is after her mother died because she says she remembers seeing her there and she says, well, actually, my daughter died. And when she said it, she said, my daughter was killed. And there's a split second of her catching what her, catching herself as what she said. My daughter was killed. Which and then implies my son murdered my daughter, right? And the look on her face where she realizes what she just said and she kind of widens her eyes and you know what I mean it's subtle but it that broke me right because it's it's like you I, I said before you know you may have times when you you know flip your kid off behind their back because they're pissing you off that much or you know or times when you don't like your kids because they're just acting in a certain way doesn't mean you don't love them right Mm -hmm. but it's stuff that you would never let out of your mouth because that's just taboo right so her saying that and her realizing that and her taking that in was just it was very in on some levels as odd as this is to say relatable right that that catching myself in oh my god i'm feeling that way about my kid right right um, and the third is floating Annie. <laughs> I know you said that to you that took you out of it, but the first time I saw it, it just well, if freaked that's what, me the hell out. Well, if that's what it's supposed to be, I'm going to give it to it. Yeah. Because that's, I think, probably harder to do than having her crawl along the wall. But It was just such a creepy, I mean, the, the up in the corner thing was creepy, but for some reason that to me, that just creeped me out more. So, and well, sticking, sticking to the wall can be done by bugs, but there's not many bug, not many things that can, you know, fly through the air like that. Yeah, that was uh, pretty creepy. Yeah. Um, one of the scenes that stood out to me was this ta- was the dinner the dinner table scene. Yes. After um, Charlie had been killed. Yeah, that's a and that's a rough one. It was it was, uh, but what what struck me was when she said, you know, you little shit, say what you have to say. And he goes, what about you, Mom? You're the one who wanted me to take her to the party. And yeah. the father instantly goes, okay, we're done with this. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, let's not talk about the actual heart of the matter here. Right. Let's just go ahead and protect Annie and fuck the kid. He can deal with his own pain. Mommy can't be upset. That, that That's how I took that. Yeah, I, 
and, and of course she's you know that that's her saying you know no one's taking responsibility and she's not yeah she's not so the therapist is sitting there right listening to the woman bitch about how nobody mm-hmm. takes responsibility and then when it comes time to take responsibility he goes okay so uh next week you can come back and pay me another 675 dollars <laughs> There is, um, as part of cut scenes, because we talked about this being a much, much, much longer movie with everything they shot, apparently there is a scene after the fact where where dad is talking to son. So I don't know what goes down in that scene, but it'd be interesting to see. Um, when she was beating her head on the door to get into the attic. <laughs> fucking creepy. Yeah. It was really creepy. Big time creepy. It had to hurt too. <laughs> Probably not. They gave her. Well, they gave her. They gave her some noggin number. In the same vein, you've got the scene. Um, I am hoping that this is not gonna. I'm sure it is. Go ahead and say it. No, go ahead. Tell no, me no. your last one. And no, no, you t- you say it, and then I'll tell you if it's my last <laughs> one or not. <laughs> Where he's in the um, he's in the classroom and he's kind of oh, yeah. taken over, and uh, there's actually some. Some trivia behind that too. Yeah, tell it because I was going to tell it. Okay, sticks, I, I, don't, I don't remember sticks, it. Sticks up his hand yeah. and does this. Apparently, he had uh, dislocated his jaw when he was boxing, as the actor did. Yes, and so he dislocated his jaw for the scene. But he was like going to. He said, "You know, I can slam my face on the desk if you want." And Ari Aster's like, "No, you're gonna, I'm gonna be sued if that happens and stuff like that." So they had like a desk, but it had a good foam core top yes. for him to slam his his head in. Yeah, and he and he did it, and he did dislocate his jaw. Yeah, he did actually dislocate his jaw in that scene. So yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. No, that's all right. That that was a good one. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I have a. a The reflection scene was pretty creepy. The reflection scene. Where he's sitting in the classroom and he looks at the glass shelves. Yeah, I don't know what that was supposed to be about. And he's, well, that was Payman. <laughs> Smiling back at him, going... <laughs> so he was already in the body. Yeah, no, I mean, just, he, it's just, maybe he wasn't. Maybe he was just, yeah. you know... You know, you're at your question about if they cremate the grandmother's body, mm-hmm. does it end at all? Well, apparently not, because they're trying to get us to think that Payman's living in Charlie. I, you know exactly. what I mean? I, I, well, it's not that it, I will, I will say this, my third, um, and as far as the scare factor, mm-hmm. the clucks were well-placed Yes, and they were not overused. Yeah. That's what made it, it would have been, it would have sucked if you'd have heard yeah. every three minutes. Or that every three minutes. Yeah. I think, I think, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't have a. I I don't I don't have that they they stood out I don't I don't have a favorite moment of this movie to me I mean I there's a lot of good parts to this movie yeah. but I, nothing was like oh I want to watch that scene again okay so ask me I'll ask you would you watch this movie again okay let me paint a picture for you oh <laughs> let's say he's got it he's got it in the Let's say he's ready to shoot. Okay. Let's say you and I have decided that we we're going to plan our dream vacation, our dream vacation, mm-hmm. and we plan this vacation for five years. Okay. Okay. We empty out our four hundred one ks to pay for this vacation because we say fuck it, you only live once. We pack, we prep, we get on the plane, we get to the destination, and we sit down, and we turn <laughs> the TV on, 
and we just happen to turn the TV on in the hotel room to HBO or something, and Hereditary is on. <laughs> I'm packing my shit, getting back on the plane, I'm coming home. <laughs> I don't give two fucks about who house we're going to. Is it on TV? Is it on the background? If somebody asks me, I am not watching this movie again, ever. Ever. Okay. Why is that? This movie creeped me out. Okay. It, it, I'm, I, I have seen it. I am done. <laughs> <sighs> I think you had a question for me. What's like, what's like the worst food in the world that you've ever tasted? I, <laughs> do there, we really want to go there down you, this there you, there you go. <laughs> I tried All that right. shit. I'm done. Okay. So you had a question for me after we watched this because you said that I didn't like. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, we did split a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and um, I had never watched Unbreakable because of you. Okay. You had told me that you watched it, and it was awful. I didn't was, like it. It was yeah. awful. Didn't, didn't like, like it. it. Didn't like it. As I'm watching, so in, in, in the scenes that you were referring to was when he was walking through the train station, he was bumping into people, and he'd seen the one guy that had essentially, not essentially, he had raped the, the young girl because she'd passed out drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, you had the the scene about where the guy was cheating on his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, there was one other, I can't remember what it was. And then there was the scene where he met, he found the guy that had basically taken the, the two kids hostage. Mm-hmm. And you're like, it's just too dark. It's just too dark. How can you not like that movie? <laughs> and yet you can sit here and go, yeah, this was a really good movie. Because that was, even though that was dark, mm-hmm. that was a situation where he was actually avenging these people that have been taken they had no agency either, and he was giving them. He was taking care of that shit. Now, granted, he being payment? No. Who? Bruce oh, Willis. Bruce Willis. David okay. Dunn, David. All Dunn. right. 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 Okay. He, so it was. It was. It was the means to an end for something good to happen. Okay. And yet, in this, everybody fucking dies. <laughs> die. Die. That, that, yeah. That, that, everybody dies. That. And and you're like, yeah, I'm good with this. I can watch this again. In fact, you're like, I might watch it again so I can see the stuff I missed. Uh, what the fuck? Well, because people are scary. People who do things like you saw in Unbreakable, that disturbs me more because it's people. And it's, you know, things like home invasions and shit like that scare the utter shit out of me. Yes, okay. And And, and not to say that Growing up, the thought of, you know, demons and demonology and, and things like that didn't scare me. In fact, they did. They scared me quite a bit. But. Demons scare me more than crazy people because at least against crazy people, I have a fighting chance. I think it's a probability thing, right? Um, the people are realer. Oh, okay. I mean, realer is that a word? That is a um, totally. That is a totally legit. Are more that's... real people. The people are more real um, as far as the threat. Um, that's a totally legit, legitimate answer because right. some things scare other people more than I, right. I, I get it. Right. Okay. Not to say that this wouldn't scare me because it does. Um, like, wouldn't watch it alone. Um, that kind of thing. Um, but okay. So I just want to make sure that you you got that that question in. Okay, no, that's, yeah. Okay, so okay, also, you wouldn't, you wouldn't I, go ahead. I also would like to say that I wish I hadn't known 
about the beheading of Charlie. I wish you hadn't either. That would have been a total... That would have been a whoa moment. Yeah. A yeah. total what the fuck moment. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So, okay, you wouldn't watch it again, but no. um, can you appreciate it? I said at the beginning that I appreciated it. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I, 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 it's a very it's a very well done movie. Um, I listen. I got to put it this way. Obviously, he did what he intended to do. If I if I saw it and I don't, I'm, I can go. Yeah, that was good, and I'm not watching it again. Yeah. yeah obviously. Now, did it scare me? No. Did 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 it creep me out? Yes. That is not a feeling that I enjoy. I don't like. I don't like creepy, like. Go into the grocery store. If I'm in an aisle with someone that creeps me out, I'm going to a different aisle. Mm-hmm. That you know what I mean? Yeah. I just it's not, it's not it's not my thing. Now do, do, that doesn't mean that I don't want you to have me watch other movies. I, I do not want you to have me watch Midsommar. I will take Ernest off my list, provided Midsommar does not end up on yours. Um, no, I would not put you through Midsommar. Okay. Midsommar is not a um, otherworldly. Supernatural. Yeah, Midsommar's fucked up, right? It's, yeah. It's, okay. Thanks. It's a little messy. Yeah. Yeah. All right. No, messy is dropping a pot of chili. <laughs> Kevin. All right. Okay. All right. So, um, I leaves me with a question for you. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and um, list gets tougher and tougher every week. <laughs> Yeah, especially since I just made you watch Hereditary. No, so I'm not, not going to. I would. I'm not going to do that. What um, what movie hast thou chosen for me? Ernest goes to camp. Are you serious? No. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, those daggers I was talking about earlier. Bam! Just saw them again. I think it was more fear. <laughs> watch demons all day long, but I ain't watching Ernest. <laughs> Um, it's like seventh level of hell shit. Yeah, I have a movie that I want you to watch, but I'm gonna wait until we can get a special guest on because I know how much he likes it. Okay. So I think I think we're gonna do the abyss. Okay. Sounds good to me. All right. Cool. All right. There we go. There it is. We got it. Um. So thus ends. Another episode of Honey, You Should Watch This. I hope you found it interesting and enlightening. Um, Hereditary is a hard one to do because a lot of people like to... Well, it's pretty recent, anali- too. Yeah, and they, they like to analyze it to death. So I, I was hoping that we wouldn't... You know, we, we hit some of the high points, but not completely reiterate everything else that people were saying. So, anywho. Um, so this is the point in the show where we tell you uh, to follow us on social media. We are on Twitter and we are on Instagram and the handle there is at Honey Watch This. Uh, we also have a Facebook page if you're uh, who's on Facebook anymore. We don't know. Um, and if you uh, want to check out our other episodes, you can go to Honey You Should Watch This com. And if you're listening to us on uh, a rateable um, pod podcast platform like apple podcast you can rate and review um but definitely reach out um let us know what you think um you know we are not immune to suggestions or criticism and if there's a film you want us to take a look at let us know 
if you are another a host of another podcast um, and you want to uh, pick a movie for us and join us to talk about it, um, just slide into our DMs on any one of those platforms and uh, we'll be happy to talk to you. Uh, Greg, if they uh, want to hear from y- your dulcet tones um, on the internet, <laughs> where can they follow you? You can follow me at gbishop72. Uh, you can also hear me over on the Top 5 for Fighting podcast, which is available everywhere that this one is. Oh, that piece of shit. It is. It's garbage. <laughs> it's a much different vibe. <laughs> totally different vibe. <laughs> we are significantly more mature on that podcast than we are Yeah, on right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we are because we know what sarcasm is over there. <laughs> yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, that's it. That's it? You don't want to give your Twitter handle? or I said GBishop72. Oh, okay. Sorry, I wasn't listening to you. That's yeah. no news there. <laughs> what a fucking surprise. <laughs> if you want to follow me, I am at T5FF underscore Twitter. That's as in top five for fighting underscore... Uh, oh, underscore Twitter? Wait a minute. What the hell? It's been a long, long, long recording session. Uh, it's T5FF underscore Angel on Twitter. Yep. Um. And on Instagram, I am uh, marketing underscore angel. So that's it. Thanks for listening um, and putting up with us for another week. Yeah. Thank you very much. (laughs) Uh, As always, we hope you enjoyed it. Have a good, have a a wonderful week, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.